0: Hello and welcome to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein, with North Star Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast, is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward
1: to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. Hello, I'm Sarah Braley, Managing Editor for North Star Meetings Group. And I'm here with Jonathan Howe, president of Chicago's Howe & Hutton Law Firm and NMG's longtime legal expert, who so graciously continues to share his insights on event contracts. Today, as the days rush by and 2022 is around the bend, we're talking about three main contract trends that meeting planners need to note for the coming year. The three trends we are tackling for this podcast are flexibility, making sure all parties can modify or terminate agreements when situations change, performance details, specifying in contracts what each party expects from the other and shifting risks, determining how the risks for events are spelled out in the agreement and who is responsible in each case. Let's start with flexibility. John, welcome and thank you for joining me today.
0: Well, my pleasure, Sally, is always, it's 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 sort of fun for me. And the last, I would say, year, year and a half, it's certainly been one of a lot of challenge opportunity and learning a lot about where we're going and how we're doing it as to how things are being put together. One of the things that, that's been so important is I think we've we've learned, a lot. the big question is going to be, are we going to pay attention to the lessons that we've learned over the last 18, 24 months? And it seems to me in some respects it is going to happen, but in a lot of respects, we're not seeing it. One of the things I think that's become so key that we've learned or should have learned and should be practicing is the lesson of flexibility. If nothing else, we found out during the pandemic as that pandemic continues. And don't let anybody kid you that this is going to be an ongoing situation for a lot of years to come. It's going to be how we deal with how we have a resiliency to be able to literally put up with it and make things happen that we need to have happen in in this particular segment of the economy. People are people. People like to be face-to-face. And what we found was that face-to-face is not necessarily being accomplished by a Zoom call or anything of a similar nature. We still need to literally press the flesh, have that handshake, that hug. I love the, the red, the green, and the uh, yellow signals that people have been putting on badges as their comfortability level relative as we're going forward. But that's a sign of flexibility. We're, we're now finding that in our design, whether it be of the meeting or the event itself and how we approach it and what we say to the people who are going to be there, we want to offer you a flexibility. We want you to be comfortable. and As we look at contracts today, contracts are not necessarily designed to provide a high level of comfortability for being able to pull it off. And one of the things that we learned too is that decision time is not when the pandemic hits and makes that meeting impossible. Flexibility means when do I have to make a decision? At what point in the whole process is it necessary for me to be able to say yes or no and be able to pull off a successful event so we're designing contracts now to get flexibility and that's also true on whatever side of the aisle you're on in this if you're the property you're probably going to be facing a degree of uncertainty because of local regulation you and i were just chatting about australia and some of the predicaments they have relative to towns you may be in town a and to be able to leave town a to go to town b you've got a whole different set of requirements or as we have seen within the United States itself, we have those particular states where they have a higher incident of pandemic or COVID incidents, which then mean if somebody goes to that state, some states are not requiring you going to quarantine or have whatever.
1: Um, I feel like over the years, I mean you and I have been chatting about all this stuff for nigh on thirty years, and I feel that you have always said that a, a drop dead date had to be in the, in the contract, had people not just not listened to you up until now?
0: Well, I I think what they realized, they got into a sense of false security. Oh, I've got, I've got a force majeure clause, which says I can get out of this. Well, the problem is the force majeure clause is not operable until the time of the event. And at that point, it's a little bit too late. They say, Oh, it's force majeure. Maybe I should have canceled this meeting a long time ago. Or I am now faced with this and I've got people 40, 50, 80 days out saying, I'm not going there because of what the situation is. But your force majeure clause doesn't click in until the time of the day. And so the key element here, look at your schedule. Set forth your timeline. What's your timeline? Build that flexibility into the schedule. It may cost you relative to your ability to be able to pull the plug earlier, But in the long run, that might be the better part of value. Save you, your client, your company, your association—a lot of money of not having to go forward at that time. So building in having review dates built into your contract.
1: What are your yeah exactly? Do you have a feel for that? I mean, is that do you need one, two, three, five? You're just checking along the way. Know your group
0: know your group, know where you're going, know what you're doing, know what the people who are going to be part of your demographic makeup, what they're going to be comfortable with. And I I mentioned comfortability here. People are going to be uncomfortable in going to some place that may have just come off the COVID list, or, or you can go back to the days of Legionnaires, which we still have incidents of. People want to be comfortable knowing they're going to be safe, which leads us into other areas of the contract, which I'm, I'm, we'll talk about in a moment. But but bottom line, you've got to look at your agreement. You've got to look at your program. you got to look at what is going to make it the most comfortable event for your people to go and for you to be able to pull it together. If you've got people coming offshore and they have to make decisions about getting their goods or their product or their exhibit in, what's that drop dead date? So a lot of it goes into the whole logistics. And here, of all things, we're talking about logistics. What are we in? We're in a supply chain disaster at this point. You may not get those games to give to the kids for Christmas because of lot supply chain breakdown that we're facing. And, and a lot of that may be related to the pandemic, but a lot of it is not. A lot of it's just based on the whole changes in the economy that have taken place.
1: So then your next trend that you were talking about is performance. How does this play into performance? This this,
0: This is the other thing is that if we're going to pull off an event, it depends upon a lot of people being able to do the jobs that we think they can be able to do. We want them to be able to do, and we've contracted for them to do. And so now what we're seeing is we're putting into contracts performance clauses, something traditionally we probably haven't thought a lot about. We just sort of make the assumption that if I say, well, we're going to be in this hotel, you're going to do this, this, and that, your restaurants are going to be open. Uh, You're going to have the, the fitness center open. All of this, we found now that that necessarily is not the case because of the labor shortage or the lack of people coming back to work and being able to provide those services that are so important to the success of our event. And so again, we're looking at performance, just like the, the hotel or the venue is gonna be looking to you to do your performance. Way back in March of this year <laughs> was the first time I ventured out after the pandemic. I'd had my two vaccination shots and was, felt a little bit cocky about being able to move. But I'm in a four-star hotel. I check in and, and, and go to my meeting. I come back that night and, gee, my room has not been made up. And I call the front desk and I say, hey, uh, housekeeping must have missed my room. To which front desk says, well, sir, did you request it? I said, wait a second. When do I have to start requesting housekeeping? It's something I just assumed was part and parcel of the program, that I would get that at a hotel of this brand, of this nature, my past experiences with it. Now I've got to ask to have housekeeping. So what's that performance level that we're going to need to have? Or I go to a hotel, I check in, I'm looking forward to maybe having a meal in my room. I call for room service. There's no room service. So what are our expectations? What are the performance factors that our group, that our people anticipate, want to have, need to have, to have a successful program? So, performance is going to be built into this in no small
1: part. So, and, you know, speaking of things that we've been talking about for 30 years, everything has to be spelled out. If you want a four-star hotel, you have to say exactly what you expect from a four-star hotel.
0: And and, and in the past, we, we, we made, again, the assumption, if you're four-star, I can count on X, Y, and Z taking place because that's part of the requirement of, of achieving a four-star rating. And now we're seeing, well, are we downgrading what those ratings are? And now, you know, I, I, we have a lot of empathy and sympathy, if you will. If I'm told up front when I make my reservation, hey, John, we're not gonna be able to have, you're not gonna have 24-hour room service. Okay, I can live with that, but I'd sure like to know that before I get there. It almost gets down to the same thing that we've seen today with the whole area of pricing and the so-called resort fee. Marriott just now agreed that they will begin as part of a settlement of a lawsuit and of an investigation that they'll be providing information as to what that resort fee, if any, is going to be and include it in their material up front that before you hit that I accept button, you're going to know exactly what it's going to cost you. And so I think one of the other things that planners need to do is is putting in their agreements. This is the price that we're going to pay for the room and that's it. We're not going to pay anything more, excuse me, but we're looking at that again, perform. What do I expect? What am I going to pay for it? And is it going to be that way when I get there?
1: And that, and that, that's for each element of your exactly. of your contract. You have to you have to say exactly what F and P you actually are asking for, and what you expect to be open, and if it's not open in the hotel, whether or not that's going and to be what a deal changer. Yeah,
0: and, and and what happens if it's not there? You know, we can be forgiving. You know, the old Jesuit concept is it's easier to seek forgiveness than it is permission. But let's reverse that here. If you want to have a successful event, I want to know what's going to happen before I get there. And I'm not going to be so forgiving as I'm going forward. And I'm now going to have to, you're making me, as a result, having to put this stuff in contracts. You know, you, you and I have talked about this before. Contracts have gotten longer for one very simple reason. They're based upon bad experiences. And if I have a bad experience that my room's not made up at the end of the day, I am now going to have a requirement in the contract. That my room will housekeeping will service my room every day. Normally, I would never have insisted or even thought about. Do we have to get to the point when we say we're booking a room that there has to be a bed in the room?
1: Uh, (laughs) I hope not. Exactly. It's like we we expect certain things from, you know, if I'm going to a two-star, you know, maybe I'm gonna get breakfast. But if I'm that, going that's to a, choice. I don't, a star, I expect my bed to be made, or I yeah. expect yeah. to be able to ask for that to be done, uh, and I expect there to be room service.
0: And so, I expect there to be a bed.
1: <laughs> One would hope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so another point that you made is, is that contracts going forward need to be aware of shifting risks.
0: Well, contracts have now become more than just setting forth what performance we want or what flexibility we want. Contracts now are a device by which we shift risk. And we're using the contract to say, it ain't going to be my fault if something goes wrong, it's going to be your fault. And as a result, contracts now read a little bit of sounding like they're shifting all liability, all risk over to you. And this works both ways. We're seeing in some hotel or in venue contracts that if you provide information to somebody, or provided to the venue, they have a free opportunity to use all that information you provide, and you guarantee that you have the right on behalf of that individual to share their information. Well, this is to get around some of the privacy requirements that we're seeing California, other states, all of which now have pretty stringent privacy rules, and of course, the European Union with GDPR has, has had that in play now for a n- number of years. And what the venue is doing or what you're doing as a as a organization, you're trying to shift that privacy obligation over to the other side or to just basically wash your hands of it completely and say, if you use this information that we give you, you're on your own, we make no representation warranty or otherwise say that you have the authority to use it. And we're seeing that happen. We're seeing in the whole area Now, most particularly in the health side, that people are going to take responsibility, or we try to shift that responsibility, that you'll represent that you don't have a fever, you'll represent that you haven't been in contact with somebody who's had COVID or has been diagnosed with having COVID, and that you uh, will immediately cooperate and provide information if you do become subject to it yourself and so on and so forth.
1: It's become more personally
0: responsible. Right, and we're shifting that over there too. And, And what we've had with many events, we'll continue to see, is that they're requiring you to give them a waiver, that if you're attending the event and you suddenly come down with COVID or whatever, for that matter, that you're going to be responsible for it and that you hold them harmless. From any bigger liability.
1: Not yeah. that you've ever said that a waiver ever really was not worth not. the paper it was on. But, but on the other hand, how would you be able to prove that you got it from the meeting and that you didn't it. walk in with it because it has a two week gestation? So.
0: Or, or that you were the person who brought it to the program in the first place and you're the right. one who should be responsible for everybody who came in contact with you. But, yeah. but we're seeing all of these kinds of things now. We're seeing events basically trying to help you understand a little bit better, we're now seeing events which are requiring as a precondition of being able to go to the event of showing that you have been fully vaccinated. The next big question now is how do we define fully vaccinated? Is it two shots? Is it three shots? Is it going to be a multitude of different things that are going to be out there? So we, we keep waiting and we keep hearing well, the science is directing us. Well, what have we seen over the the last 18, 24 months? Science has its own way of shifting, like the sands in the desert, whichever way the wind blows or how it goes. One day you should be wearing a mask, and one day you're not wearing a mask, or- one day you should have the shot. One day is so. On one
1: well, hand, people are scared to death of Omicron. On the other hand, they're like, "Let's wait and see what it really right is exactly." Going to
0: uh, it, it's, it, it's it's the old on one hand and the other hand, as you say, Sally, that's yeah. out there. And so people people are trying to react in a way. And I think also we become sort of numb if it is possible to pass to all of these demands that are being made and what we're supposed to be doing. Ironically, you can go to a state like Florida or Texas where the, the demands and the requirements and the mandates are almost zero. You can go to a state like California or here, even here in Illinois where I am, where you have masking requirements, you have other requirements that are out there, but then you look at the grid of what are the states that have had the most incidents per capita, of COVID or of infections or of problems, it's, it's the states right now that seemingly have the mandates. Uh, if you look at some of the recent diagrams that are out there from CDC, the southeast is probably the best performing of having low incidence on a per capita basis than some of the more northern states and the like. And that may be weather related because we're going into winter.
1: My, my state's pretty good, New Jersey, but we're, everybody here is vaccinated. So it's like, yeah. you just... Well, take
0: Vermont, which is the high, most highly vaccinated, and they have the highest incidence right now on a per
1: capita basis. Yeah, it's bizarre.
0: You know, so, I, again, I, I don't know where it's going. I think, again, where we're looking at shifting, there was the old axiom that, that people should be responsible for themselves. Uh, we've sort of gotten away from that and saying, I'm not responsible for anybody else, and everybody else is responsible For what happens to me, and I bear no personal responsibility. The concept of personal responsibility definitely comes into play, and I think one of the things that that's really key here. And we go back to the the room service or as to the 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 housekeeping and the like. If you tell people upfront what to expect or what they should not expect, you're way ahead of the game, and then they make the decision as to whether they wanna play or not. And and so that I think in no small part should be one of the watchwords we have. You and I've talked about this and it's been sort of one of my little slogans for a lot of years. I cannot blame you for bad news, but I can sure blame you for not telling me. And I think that the more we have that openness, that transparency, the better off it's gonna be, not only for the industry, it's gonna be better off for all of us, regardless of what we're trying to achieve.
1: Yeah. So what are you? Get off my soapbox! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been so successful, <laughs> So what's happening with negotiations for 2022?
0: Well, the negotiations have gotten a little bit more difficult. Not that they ever were easy, but but we're we're really in a situation where the marketplace has changed. A lot of the people that we built those relationships with are gone. The brands have shifted their methodology of negotiate negotiating or how your booking rooms and how you're doing things. You're now in many situations dealing with people who have 90 different hotels on their screen and they're lucky if they've had coffee at any one of them that are trying to sell you, or you're trying to get information about the property. That's where I think, and and I, I, I made the mistake several years ago of saying, I thought the third party sales companies would be sort of an albatross and sort of a dinosaur as we move forward. Quite to the contrary right now, I think for many properties, their best opportunity is a knowledgeable third party who has the ability of marketing their place and being able to bring people to it uh, based upon their product knowledge. They may not know, and they certainly don't know all the properties, but they know several properties. And so you've got, I think, some of the marketing companies that are limited in the number of properties they represent or the number of properties they sell are going to be doing a major job and a major service of being able to put the pieces of the puzzle together in the right places. And so many times when we're doing that puzzle, uh, the old square peg in the round hole is what we need to try to avoid. So negotiation will be tough. But again, from a planner's point of view, from a supplier's point of view, know your product, know what works, know what you need. And you look at what it is that I have to have to be successful for my property to make this event work, or from the organization's standpoint, what is it that needs to be involved to make this event successful? Then we negotiate that, we put it in the contract, and we hope we have the performance levels set forth in a way that both sides understand. If only one side thinks they know what's going on, you're in trouble. And if Both you're the planner
1: and idea. you don't feel like you know what's going on, don't sign that until you're ready.
0: Exactly. The big, the, 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 you know, One of the things I always say, is it's very important to ask questions. Sometimes the best response to a question is another question. You've heard my example before. The person comes in and says, and they ask, well, do you have a freight elevator? Well, the, the question should be, why does that planner need a freight elevator in the first place? Maybe she has a piece of 3,000 piece. Pound piece of equipment she needs to move which is a true case of a lot of years ago somebody
1: wants to bring but, in a car <laughs> and,
0: and basically and that's so many times what it is it's a product mm-hmm. and they want to put it somewhere else but instead of asking do you have a freight elevator you should ask do you have an elevator that can handle my three thousand pound car that i need to move up yeah. and if 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 i'm a good salesperson what am i going to say when they say do you have a freight elevator My response should be, why do you ask?
1: Yeah, what do you want to put in it? What do you need a
0: freight elevator for? Yeah, And that way, you'll both be in a lot better positioning of knowing what the heck it is. So this we have so many buzzwords. We just need to get away from the buzzword. If you've got something that's specific, ask the specific question. If you ask something in a generality, if I'm on the other side, let me help you boil this down as to what it is you really need. Because if I know what you really need, then I can either provide it or tell you, sorry, Charlie, it ain't going to work.
1: Any other advice for people who are dealing with a salesperson who has had every hotel within a 90-mile radius of them dropped in their laps?
0: Ask questions. Don't be afraid to go look at it. In, In some respects, pick up the phone, call the hotel. Ask them specifically, what's going on. Do your own research. Don't rely upon somebody else to do the research for you. Great point. And, you know, it, 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 it's it's the old Ronald Reagan: trust but verify. You know, I, I'm you know, you tell me you got a or to handle this. Maybe I might want to verify that with the property, as opposed. Not that I don't trust you, but basically I may just want to make sure that you and your I money are on the same
1: page. It's your money that you're spending
0: (laughs) or I'm spending somebody else's money where I'm the agent for them, which is even worse. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Do you see just one last question, which is, you know, here we are, we're about to zoom into 2022. And of course, yeah, when we were running through 2020, we thought, "Oh, everything has to be better in 2021." And in many ways, it has been. But in many ways, I think people are really surprised by how this is all lingering for another year. So, what it, do you feel like it's it's going to slowly be better than it was this year?
0: Well, know, one, one of the things I'm worried about is we're running out of Greek letters as to identifying <laughs> the new variants.
1: Oh, we've uh, still got like ten. There.
0: <laughs> You know, it, it, it's a sort of work. We have a scarcity of Greek letters, but hopefully the people as we go, and again, that's where the numbness cuts in as to, okay, we're at Omicron now. We've had Tulsa, what happened to Alpha and Omega, you know, a bump, a bump all over the place. But my, my be patient, uh, be understanding, but more particularly, know what it is you need to have and what you need to put together to have your successful event and better yet check the demographics of your group what is it your group wants you know we may think we know what our group wants in association management the old placebo was when all else fails ask the members what they need what they want as opposed to what you think they need or what you think they want so the key element here is, is find out what what was working in 2019. Let me assure you, it's not necessarily going to be working in 2022. We knew it didn't work in 2020, and we knew it hasn't really worked in 2021. So, you know, do your surveys, find out what the customer needs, find out what you need to have, and then find the people that can help you put it together. Sounds
1: great. Thank you so much for your time, John. This is terrific. Hey, it's always, uh, Sally. It's uh, really great to have you on our team. Thanks so much.
0: And a very happy, prosperous, and successful 2022 to everybody.
1: To everyone. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review us and check back for new
1: episodes soon.